I ended up calling Andrea's lawyers because I just it felt, you know, the penny finally dropped, and I thought, well, why don't I call somebody who's actually involved? So I called her lawyers, and uh, Dolores Triani said to me, will you speak publicly? And I said, sure, you know, not having a clue what was going to happen. And then they, she said to me this fateful thing. She said, will you use your name? And I went, oh, sure. <laughs> You know, what did I know? Oh, my. Well, did you know what you were in for? Well, you know, I did. I'd had other sort of fat cases, and I'd been in the papers and quoted. But I was pretty much full of myself. I was at the top of my legal game. I was a good trial lawyer, if I don't say so myself. And uh, But I, uh, you know, I just came forward. So I I contacted uh, Nikki, I believe, and the two of us had this long interview. (laughs) So I didn't have the same kind of, you know, hesitation about him. To me, he was a villain. And I didn't want this person to be in the world by herself up against that madman. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Tamar Green says this story has gotten so much more reaction than in 2005 when she came forward because of social media. Now she's hoping her story will help empower other potential victims. Hello and welcome to Real Crime Profile. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor and writer-producer of CBS's Criminal Minds. And with me today is... Laura Richards, criminal behavioral analyst, former New Scotland Yard and founder of Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service. 
And hello, hello, I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm the casting director for CBS's Criminal Minds, and I have a real interest in real crime and the survivors who live through those crimes. And with us today is our very special return guest. My name is Tamara Green, and I'm a survivor of an attack by Bill Cosby. And we're so happy to have you back tomorrow so that we can have further discussions about what happened. And you said so many interesting things last time we spoke. So we really want to dive back in. Yeah, tomorrow, I especially want to know when you look back at it, what do you think helped you survive this attack? Just not just physically, but, but mentally. I think that because I was older than some of the women who ultimately came out against Cosby, who had been attacked during the 80s or even the 90s, uh, I could make a transition psychologically from one place to the other. And I think it was important to define that while that behavior went on since the Middle Ages, or, or by the time the 70s had rolled around. And I, uh, I did not know what I, how I was supposed to behave and what was expected of me. I just went, what? No. Even though I knew it was creepy, and I'm sure this is true of women in, this, in a situation like that, you don't raise the alarm at the first creepy thing that happens. You just become cautious and careful. Then you start looking for the exits. You start looking for the way out. But you don't say, what do you mean? I'm not brushing my hair, you crazy person. You know, you don't become confrontational. And there's some instinct, some fine instinct in in the helpless person, that is the person with less power, to not provoke an escalation of the creepiness at that point. And so from the outside world at trial, for example, a jury might say, well, why didn't you just tell him to piss off right then when he told you to brush your hair? Well, your instinct of self-preservation kicks in right then and thinks, no, no, well, all right, you know, this is weird as pink ink. But on the other hand, I'm going to just sort of try to get through this by appearing to be cooperative, and then this will all be over and I'll be able to make my break. And I I think it's an important moment. Yes, and I think that the other story that you told about the creep who had the dogs guarding the door and, you know, the agent disappearing and you were very, you know, you thought very well on your feet and your your survival instincts kicked in to the point where you did sort of lower your external reaction to it, but the internal reaction you looked you came up with a great plan and you were able to execute it. I'm so happy that you were able to avoid that situation. Because- I have always been glad to be me. And if you, <laughs> if you were raised by my mother, who was the scariest person on earth, God bless her, may she rest in peace. But if you had ever lived with my mother, you would be, you would have that sonar sense of the change of the, temperature of any room when she began to escalate and she, and I was battered by her as a child maybe three times a week ever since mm. I remember with her famous pink hairbrush which has left dents in me physically that I can point to and so I am very aware as battered children are aware when the escalation begins the absolutely 
one change in the barometric pressure in the room toward the violence, you become aware of it. And I, I, you know, in retrospect, I'd like to thank my mother for saving my life again and again by being such a brute when she was alive. Well, I'm sorry you went through that. And I'm sure Laura can second this. We've seen many cases, even serial killer cases, where every other person who was in this person's clutches ended up being raped and murdered and dismembered and so on. But the person who actually survived was somebody who was undergoing sexual abuse at home or violence at home because they had ingrained in them these survival skills that people who weren't victimized don't have to develop, don't have to deal with. Unfortunately, their bad experiences teach them at a very young age. And I know a lot of people personally who had to go through things like that. And now they have these skills that actually help them get through situations. And it's unfortunate. Hard to know what to hope for, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, it's not something you would want anyone to go through, but you know, what you described, and I 100% agree with you that you read the temperature in the room, everything you are heightened to. And that certainly saved you. And Cosby understood you were very good at reading the temperature. And just to go back to that point, you know, when the first creepy thing happens, because hundreds, if not thousands of women will be nodding along at that point where you were saying, because it happens to all of us, you know, at which point do you press the alarm? You know, at the point where you're just brushing your hair and he's looking at you in a, in a creepy way and everything, you know, you have a visceral reaction and you know. But if you said it to anybody, it would sound really trite. Yeah. And so at which point in that escalation of behavior, and that's always what women have to wrestle with. We're always having to make those assessments all of the time. And I think the Me Too movement is a funny uh, and bizarre um situation now that we have where men are saying to me but Laura I have to think about my behavior all of the time and I say yes welcome to my world welcome to the world of women the other thing is is that and there's gamesmanship too because in the context of being a battered child there comes a point where you think can I outplay her can I get through this somehow with lying and and behavior and posturing and what have you? And I think that that happens in the uh, on the producer's couch. You think, okay, I know he's going to try to do this horrible thing, but can I get him to sign the contract before I have to put out? And can I get him to make a commitment and still get out the door before the worst happens? And sometimes you do enter into a situation where you hope that you can come out as the top player. Uh, you know, it, and there's this consciousness of gamesmanship in the professional arena, I think. Uh, nobody who walked into Harvey Weinstein's office did not know that he was a creep. I mean, you can look at him and know that he's a creep, and that's a terrible thing to say. I'm judging that book by its gnarly cover, but excuse me, but the man was a creep. And so, but he held your future in his hands. And he did, and lots of people think they can manage that person if you keep them at arm's length. I mean, I've been there, Lisa's probably been there many, many times over, and you think, well, if you're boundaried, you know, and you put measures in place, but with individuals like Weinstein, Cosby, you know, unfortunately, no boundary you put in place will ever work, full stop. It doesn't matter how good you are at reading people, understanding the situation, they will destroy every boundary and push and push and push until they get what you want. And it's a war of attrition, ultimately. That is the definition of rape, 
is crossing the last boundary, the one that says, no, don't do this. I, you know, I have been in situations where it has been manageable, where I knew that a person was trying to take advantage of me. And he knew that I knew that he knew that I knew and still came out all right. And those are risky, risky games to play or, or positions to put yourselves in. But there are situations that arise even today in professional situations where you have to learn to manage it. It's nasty, but you do. But rape is not only criminal, it's actually unpredictable. There's nobody who's more surprised by rape than the victim. You think, wow, you know, is this how far it's willing to go? And right behind rape comes murder. Yeah. You could just as easily die. And I don't know how many people died of being thrown in their cars in alleys behind heavy drugs who tried to make it home and who crashed into trees or drove off bridges or who were killed in accidents that we'll never know. Yeah. I've tried to research the statistics of how many people died between, say, 1968 and 1975 in car crashes in L.A., like one driver crashes or, you know, influence of drug crashes, but I, I couldn't manage it. I'm not skilled enough to do it, but it's in there somewhere, that information. It's unbelievable how risky that behavior is, what Cosby did to you. And just hearkening back to what we were talking about earlier, it strikes me that he realized that his commanding presence alone with you was ineffective and he had to look for an opportunity to undermine your self-preservation. Your self-preservation was overcoming his will to victimize you. And so he had to find a way to do that. And Harvey Weinstein obviously had a very structured, well set up plan to get access to the people he wanted to get access to. Bill Cosby had been doing it for decades before him. So he he did it in a time the transition from that couch mentality to women being able to be autonomous and not being taken advantage of. He kind of bridged that time period and had to be more and more creative as he went on. But he also was more and more emboldened, as we heard that night at Skirball Center and in many articles and statements from some of the victims, there were times when he literally compressed that time of grooming and of manipulating to... Minutes. Minutes, yeah. And, and in a situation where he knew he could overcome that person's will. And so it disgusts me so much, particularly because I did, quote, love the man. I love the image that he projected. And I thought that he was a really good person inside, as well as what he was projecting on the screen. And, and a generous philanthropist, though all of that is tax deductible. Thank you very much. You know. Yeah, absolutely. You're a philanthropist in my mind. If you give away something that is of no benefit to you to give it, then you give it anyway. Right. But I, I want to talk to you about Amar. I don't want to cast dispersions on people you may believe are still friends, but I really recoil when you say that that he said, stay the fuck away from her. I mean, he obviously knew. Yes, he knew. He he did. He knew that Cosby could make or break my career as a singer. That is to say, make it. I had no career to break. He knew that he could actually advantage somebody, that he could give, you know, open doors, if you like. You're on your own, by the way. When somebody opens a door for you and you go in there and you do your thing, you're on your own. 
when somebody opens a door for you, that's the most they can do for you. This business about he made her career. No, no. He opened a door. She stepped through and she was the actress she said she was and she made her own career. So there's Mm -hmm. that. But Amar was a dichotomy. He was a ghost surgeon. There were women who went to fancy clinics in Beverly Hills and their doctors showed up all scrubbed up and then they would step out. Amar would come in and do the actual surgery. What? Have you ever heard of that? I've never, I've never. Yeah. Why? 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 Ghost surgeon, because these guys could charge a red hot fortune in Beverly Hills for doing surgeries of all kinds. And they were trusted and they were, you know, in social communities, but they didn't always do the surgery. And Amar made a lot of money under the table from these guys by stepping in to do surgeries. He was a very, very good surgeon. Now he took that money and he opened clinics, free clinics all over the poverty stricken parts of Los Angeles. How much of that was because he was a good altruistic person and how much of it was because he felt guilty for doing bad things? I I don't know. It's just, man. I, I think he was an altruistic person, but I think he found a way into the dark world that he could take advantage of because for example, nobody would have come to him as a black man to do the fancy surgeries in Beverly Hills that Dr. So-and-so was signed up to do. He would never have made that much. You know, he found his way into the underbelly of Beverly Hills medicine, if you like, and he used it to the advantage. Now, meanwhile, he did dispense drugs all over the place and to his friend, Bill Cosby, he probably knew what was going on. He probably, (laughs) knew that Cosby had had pain in the butt, but no pain in the back. I was his driver from time to time. The other job, the job that I had for Amar, besides raising money for these clubs, was I was the designated driver. I would drive limousines full of drunken and stoned out people to the racetrack and back. It was amazing what went on. I mean, what he did was criminal. I mean, how has he never had to pay the price for dispensing drugs to, I mean, that's. Well, we have an Oxycontin plague right now of doctors dispensing drugs. We have places called pain clinics now you can go to to get drugs. You Mm -hmm. see, you walk in, you have a pain in the hip, a pain in the back, a pain in the head, and somebody will dispense you drugs. We have an epidemic of that in this country. At that time, you could go to your gynecologist and get Xanax because you couldn't sleep, or I don't know what quaaludes were ever given for, but... uh, (laughs) Can you clarify something you just said? You said that Dr. Amar is he African? Was he African American? Black man, and uh-huh. he, and he's dead now. Long time. He was in fact uh, disbarred or whatever you do to doctors, and had to earn his license back. And in the end, ran a pain clinic in like South Carolina or someplace. Right, so when you say he was a shadow doctor, you're saying that that white patients wouldn't come to him, so that's why he had to do surgeries under the guise of somebody else his practice kind of well that's a more linear way of saying what i said yes you're absolutely right for the most part that no lady living on rodeo drive in beverly hills is going to go to him for for gynecology or gynecological surgery of any kind but rather go to their local beverly hills doctor to give credit to the doctor who did not do the surgery that doctor knew 
that Amar was a better surgeon than he was. At least his patient was getting the best possible surgeon. It, it, it was so convoluted in those days, but that's one of Amar's things was he was a ghost surgeon and he used that money any way he could. In fact, that's how I met Amar was I was very, very sick one day and a girlfriend of mine, and I said, I have no money. You know, there's no money in the mailbox this week. And she said, well, I know this doctor, he'll treat you for free and took me down to Watts to this clinic that Amar was running and he was there and he treated me and, and met and prescribed medication. And, and so I was loyal to him and, uh, and he was my doctor from then on, but wow. in another way. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So he asked me, he says, before we go out to dinner, would you like a cocktail? And I wasn't much of a drinker. I said, well, I'll have a little bit of Grand Marnier. He was behind me and he poured the, the, the Grand Marnier in the glass with some ice. And uh, so I took the, took the glass and I drank it. And the next thing I knew it was four o'clock in the morning. I woke up in a bed, naked, bruised. He was laying next to me. And I slivered out of the bed. My clothes were all over the floor. I grabbed my clothes. I, I got myself together. I went downstairs. I got in a cab and went home and took a shower. And you don't remember anything from the point that you had the sip of the Grand Marnier to the point where you woke up naked in the bed. I remember hurting really bad. Your body was in My pain. body was hurting. What did you think when you woke up? Let me stop you there. When you woke up and you say you were bruised. I knew I was raped. I knew I was raped. There were bruise marks all over me. I knew I was raped by him. I just wanted to segue back into something that's actually that I found very hard listening to you t say tomorrow and it's we haven't talked about it just yet but it was after Bill Cosby sexually assaulted you he left money these $200 bills and the next day you, when you woke up you went off to see your brother who was dying at the time he was ter terminally ill is that right and when you went to the hospital Bill Cosby had been into the hospital and given your brother 
a radio and your brother was a big fan of his. Can you just tell us a little bit about that situation and, and what happened thereafter because of it? The thing is that I had been drugged at lunchtime. I would say probably one o'clock in the day at lunchtime. By the time I woke up, it was deep into the night. I was unconscious for probably 10, 12 hours, 10 hours. And so it was several days later. He was in the terminal children's ward, and but I arrived still not well. And I really was looking for the comfort of my mother, for better or for worse. Every now and then, my mother was my mother and a comforting factor. And I was really wanting to sort of like curl up with my mother and say, Mother, this terrible thing had happened to me. But when I walked into his, my brother's room, they just were glorified. They were just radiant with this visit of this wonderful person who glad-handed with all of the children on the terminal floor and the terminal ward of the children's hospital. The nurses were, had been nicer to my brother after that. My brother had a brand new shiny Panasonic ghetto blaster. Everybody was so happy because this man had arrived, Bill Cosby had arrived and had just made my brother into a star and had made the children cheerful. He did good things for those children and he did good things for my brother and he gave a nice present. But my mother said, oh, isn't he wonderful? And I said, no, mother, he's a very, very bad man. But there was nothing else I could say. I didn't feel, I just didn't feel that I could take that away from either one of them to say nothing of the other children on the ward. But I couldn't tell my brother, well, yeah, no, no, don't, you know, he's a, he raped me. I mean, yeah. I, so I, conflicting for you. So conflicting. Horrible. It and is. so you and kept your silence because of that to protect your brother and your mom effectively. Just and I told Cosby I would do that. I said, I'm not going to raise hell with you, but I am going to, <laughs> going to tell everybody forever what you did. No, you know, nothing will ever stop me from telling that story. Wow. It strikes me that this sort of, well, this very outwardly altruistic behavior was actually post-offense damage control. And very, very consciously so, because he had no business going up there to see my brother in particular. He never, no. why would he have done that? You know? Obviously, he, he was trying to get out ahead of the issues that you might present. He knew he had stepped out of bounds. He knew that you were dangerous to him because you were very strong-willed. You were very confident in your abilities to avoid him and effective in your abilities to avoid him until he, you know, played on this whole group, everything safe motif to get access to you. But it just adds to the disgusting nature of his crimes that he would go to that extent to, to take lay, advantage of a dying child. And to lay down $200 bills. Yeah. Coffee table. I mean, I don't know whether I was more offended that it was 200 <laughs> or that there was any or that I was a whore. And that's that the message he wanted to send. That's exactly what he wanted to do to denigrate you in every way. And it shows his level of manipulation and how sadistic he was. And I do think going to the hospital, that makes him feel good as well about what he's done. You know, it's the part of him where he can say, but I do all this charity work and look what I did for all these children. But it's also a very clever message to you. And it just makes, it makes me so angry hearing that. Not only did you have to experience a sexual attack by him, but then when you go and see your brother at the hospital, 
he has done something so conflicting that buys your silence for a time. But then, by God, when you found your voice, you certainly let him know that you would tell everybody. I think, I mean, your quote, and I think it's brilliant. You said, Bill Cosby didn't pick his victim well when he picked me because I told him, you better kill me because I'm going to tell everybody I've ever met for the rest of my natural life what you did to me. And that's what you've been doing, which is incredible. I told that story of that poor man that bought a pickup truck for me (laughs) in in California. And while I trapped in the cab, I was going, no, somehow, I don't know how Cosby himself came up. He was stuck with me in the cab of that truck thinking, oh, my God, I better buy this truck and get rid. That's the only way I'm going to get rid of this woman is I go, yeah, and another thing. But I want to say one thing about that I think is very important. You know, one of the seven sins of the world is defined as vanity. And I think that vanity is a very important thing for women, and I don't think it's a sin. I think it's something that has been inflicted upon women to not be vain. That is to say, prideful and narcissistic is one thing. But to just think enough of yourself to say, I am too cute to do this. I am not going to do this. I am too good to do this. And I think to have vanity pounded out of young women, it does them a disservice. I don't think it should be listed as one of the seven sins. I just want to say that vanity saved me myself in a lot of ways because I thought, no, I'm not doing this. I don't have to do this. The the consciousness of who I was and that I had value and that I was cute and that that had value, and that I was allowed to be special, if you like, saved my saved my skin more than one time. I want to I want to uh, I want to uh, tout vanity here for a little while. <laughs> well, that's that's a wonderful way to spin it, and I think you're absolutely right. And I hope that you still feel wonderful about yourself. Uh, We certainly feel wonderful about you. I'm sure all of our listeners do. And you have an army of people around the world who applaud what you've done and how strong you've been and what you've been able to survive and how you've been able to use that platform to help other people so that they don't have to suffer the same kind of horrible thing. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. 
Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code WONDERY. I feel like my faith in humanity is restored. This is a victory not just for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, not just for the victim in the case, Andre Constant, not just for the 62 of us publicly known survivors of Bill Cosby's drug-facilitated sexual crimes against women, but it's also a victory for all sexual assault survivors, female and male. It's a, it's a victory for womanhood. I think the upshot finally is make noise. I mean, if it's hashtag make noise, <laughs> mm-hmm. make noise about it, speak about it, talk about it, tell about it. If people think you're horrible, then go to a new group of people. If you have to move out of your neighborhood, go, but keep making noise about it. Keep talking about it until you find like-minded, like experienced people with yourself and then bond and make a group and you will you will do better to than to be silent make noise silence silence only protects the abuser it colludes with the abuser and that's always the challenge it's very conflicting but i said i've said it recently in so many different safety plans you know speak out have your voice heard because silence does nothing for anybody and of course something that the story when we compartmentalize and it's trapped in ourselves it comes out in other ways and physiological ways and it creates very serious health issues and health risks and you know i think that's a very important part to to speaking out and there will be people who believe you when you do do that and i think there's a psychology involved with putting it down in the case of my mother whom i've described as being very very physically brutal very very angry person she was jealous of me in a way because I thought enough of myself to say to her one time what she quoted again, what a terrible way to treat a little girl. Mm. <laughs> me saying that to her disturbed her deeply. And part of the thing that bothered her about me and the reason that there was child abuse of me in my home was because I was made to feel by my father that I was a special child, that I was a bright child, that I was a capable child. And when I acted on those things, it made my mother to become brutal. And I think that there's... Feel insecure and inadequate, and therefore she projected and took it out on you. And that created child abuse in my home. I'm convinced of it. And so we need to look into that with people who abuse their children. Absolutely. I see it all too often, but that level of projection and you know, taking it out on the child that, and you were all of those things, but you still went on to do incredible things. And, you know, we really thank you for, for sharing your, your journey and your story, because just talking like this will help so many people. There will be so many people we will hear from who will be nodding to everything that you say, and it will give them courage to speak out. So thank you for doing that. And I just wanted to ask you a question as well, because it's on my mind right now um, with COVID-19 happening and certain manipulative individuals who are looking to exploit the situation. Of course, Cosby and R. Kelly and numerous 
numerous others are looking for this opportunity now to get out of prison. Thoughts on that? Yes, I think they're much better off in prison. They're safer from COVID virus. They have doctors on call, especially at his age. He's, you know, I think that it's enough that he's better off where he is than to come out and to be, con- and to be, uh, to be, what do I want to say? Uh, exposed. Exposed, you know, to the coronavirus. Now, listen, rats will find whatever small hole they can find and dig away at it until they find their way out of the box. And I don't think that this hole will become large enough for this that rat to escape out of it. I think he'll stay. Well, I hope on April the 1st they make the right decision because just two days ago, R. Kelly submitted the same paperwork. There's a template going around where they submit 18 pages of all this guff about the dangers of COVID, which we're all experiencing. And then they cite their health issues, but many of them aren't actually citing any health issues. Um, but for Cosby, of course, and we're talking when, when Trump talked about it, it was about nonviolent offenders. And Cosby is a sexually violent predator. That's what he was diagnosed as and categorized as. So I hope that right decision is taken on on Wednesday, on the 1st well, of April. I, that's why I think it was so important that he was designated as a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. Well, a sexually violent predator. And that violent part is very important as well. Correct. Correct. And I wondered at the time, I thought, God, that's a whole lot of trouble to go to. For, you know, I, I was, it wasn't clear to me that that was necessary, but I can see that somebody in their brilliance had figured out that that was another roadblock to put in front of a violent predator. Judge O'Neill saw that one coming and I know it took more time, but that was, as you say, it was a very important decision. And I did look at what Andrew Wyatt was saying. He put out something in the media and it was a page of how Cosby's a nonviolent offender. It was all just complete bullshit, quite frankly. And I gave our listeners the exercise, a homework assignment of deconstructing it. They had a field day with this utter nonsense that had been written saying that Cosby could go and live in his Elkin household with his wife, Camille, who he doesn't even live with, but painting this picture of elderly domesticity. And it was all just complete fabrication and lies. Who's going to cook the meals and do the laundry and wash the floors and drive the cars? I mean, he's not going to be alone there. He's much better off to be confined in solitary. In solitary. I agree. (laughs) We're thinking on the same lines. In solitary, he would be far better off, far safer. And so too will women be far safer and keep him and R. Kelly in prison. He does have a private cell he's happy to report. And Andrew Wyatt, you know, is really a symptom of the whole thing. There's always somebody willing to talk rubbish for money. This person has no conscience. He can come and talk to me anytime he wants, and I will explain to him that he has no character, no conscience, no education, that anybody in the world apparently can pass the bar somewhere and become what they call a lawyer. But the fact that he's willing to do that Emmett Till speech and the, now this poor old man speech and all of that just shows you that, uh, that people are right. Money will buy you anything you need. May I say I want to thank you for having me. Uh, and sure. I hope sincerely hope that something I've said, which, and more especially, make a lot of noise, is really useful to somebody. I think of children trapped in homes, climb out the window, get out of the house, go somewhere, go to a church, go to a police station, go to the taxi cab, go to the newsstand, go somewhere, but go if you can and make a lot of noise. 
Absolutely. And in these times, speak to a safe contact. You know, if you've got somebody who you can text or you can message and let them know what's happening, because of course, we're living in very strange times now, but there's always someone you can reach out to and tell your story to. So very wise words indeed, Tamara, and that will really chime with a lot of our listeners. So thank you for sharing with us your story and your insights. And it has really touched us and I've really enjoyed speaking to you. So thank you so much. I know our listeners will enjoy it. Any time at all that I can help, I, I would be happy to. I'm honored to speak to you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. So for now, this is Real Crime Profile signing out. If you like deeper analysis like this episode on topics like making a murderer, mind hunter, escape at Danamora, the case of Sally Challen, the teacher's pet, Lynette Dawson, the exonerated five in When They See Us, and the disappearance of Madeline McCann, you can listen to RCP on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever platform you listen to us on. And please be sure, if you like what we do, to give us a five-star review. Thank you for listening to Real Crime Profile. Real Crime Profile is produced and edited by Paul Francis Sullivan. Sound engineering by Mike Thal. Music is composed by Simba Tsumba. Logo art by Jim Clementi. Real Crime Profile is produced by XG Productions and distributed by Wondery. For advice and support if you're experiencing stalking in the UK, you can contact Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service on 203 866-4107 or you can go to the website where there's a lot of information and advice that you can follow on www.paladinservice.co.uk If you're experiencing domestic abuse, you can call the National Domestic Violence Helpline for free on 0800-2000-247 In the US, if you're experiencing domestic abuse and need advice, shelter or counselling you can call Genesis, the 24-hour hotline, on 214-946-4357. You can also go to their website for further advice or support, www.genesisshelter.org. And there's the Domestic Violence Hotline on 800-799-7233. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Real Crime Profile ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this, perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now. 
The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. OK, so um... not this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice, only on Freebie.